Welcome to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast with your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of the Mill Creek View newspaper. Welcome back, y'all, to the Mill Creek View, Tennessee podcast. We are focusing on the volunteer state, and today, November 1st, is our first day on TECN TV. So, uh, mostly can't believe it because I don't want it to be, since there is an election <laughs> next year, and uh, that I don't, I think it's going to be kind of ugly. Uh, but we should enjoy the last days of 2023 that we can. Okay, so as we wait for our guest, um, hold on, he just texted me, as a matter of fact. Uh, Okay, so high school. Everyone's in high school looking forward to their midterms and their breaks, but man, it is not a nice place to be these days. Uh, I feel so bad for these kids. Even good old debate teams are under full-scale asymmetric warfare assault uh, here. Uh, At high school debate, debate is no longer allowed. At national tournament, judges are making their stance clear. Students who argue capitalism can reduce poverty or Israel has a right to defend itself will lose. No questions asked by James Fishback. When the high school sophomore clicks tab room, she sees that her judge is Lila Lavender, uh sorry i am just going to tell our guests that we are live we're live 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 (laughs) live 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 okay back to the article uh judge is lila lavender the 2019 national debate champion whose paradigm reads before anything else including being a debate judge i am a marxist leninist maoist I cannot check the revolutionary proletarian science at the door when I'm judging, huh? I will no longer evaluate and thus never vote for rightist, capitalist, imperialist positions argument. Um, Examples of arguments of this nature are as follows. Fascism, good. Capitalism, good. Imperialist war, good. Neoliberalism, good. Defenses of U.S. or otherwise bourgeoisie nationalism, Zionism or nationalizing Israel, colonialism, good, U.S. white fascist policing, good, etc. Now remember, this is a woman judging debate who won in 2019. How does that sophomore feel as she walks into her debate rounds? How will knowing that information about the judge change the way she makes her case? Traditionally, high school students would have encountered a judge like former West Point debater Henry Smith whose paradigm asks students to focus on clarity over speed and reminds them that every argument should explain (laughs) exactly how they win the debate. Debate judge Krista Sharma concurs under her list of things that will cause you to automatically lose. Number three is referring to immigrants as illegal. Hmm. Should a high school student automatically lose and be publicly humiliated for using a term that's not only ubiquitous in media and politics, but accurate? Once students have been exposed to enough of these partisan paradigms, they internalize that point of view and adjust their arguments going forward. That's why you rarely see students present arguments in favor of capitalism, defending Israel, or challenging affirmative action. They know the rules of the game. They don't want to lose. Think back to that high school sophomore who's nervously pacing before an NSDA debate. Before she enters her rounds, she reads her judge's paradigm and says to herself, I'm going to lose. 
Her loss won't be because her argument lacked evidence or support. Her argument simply doesn't conform to her judge's ideology. Imagine her disappointment and hopelessness. Imagine her weeks of research and rehearsal. She never had a shot. Editor's note, one day after this story published, the NSDA released a statement on Twitter stating in part, quote, our judge training materials in partnership with the National Federation of State High School Associations provide best practices for adjudicating speech and debate, such as judges should decide the round as it is debated, not based on their personal beliefs. Tabroom.com is a project of the National Speech and Debate Association, and its purpose is to provide a tournament management system for debate and speech tournaments worldwide. The 47,000 judge paradigms housed therein represent the opinion and viewpoints of the individual paradigm authors, school or other organizations that use tabroom.com to hire judges are free uh, to evaluate those paradigms before engaging their services. Uh, I'm going to do more on the National Speech and Debate Association tomorrow uh, and play you a clip from the final round, a little teaser there. Last night for uh, Halloween, one of the woke judges dressed up as the Communist Manifesto. Quite hilarious. Um, okay. Well, it looks like our guest is here. Fantastic. This is the joys of live TV, which is new to us, but uh, looks like we got uh, Senator uh, Congressman Warner on the line. Hello, sir. Are you there? It looks like we've got the audio coming in, Steve, or trying to come in. He's working with his iPhone, so we know how that happens whenever people use our phones. All right. Well, I'll do the intro while we're waiting yes. for him. So welcome to our People in the News episode where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today we are talking with Rep. Todd Warner, who hopefully will make it back on here. Todd was born and raised on a dairy farm in Chapel Hill in North Marshall County and is a row crop farmer of corn and soybeans to this day. He graduated from Forest High School in 1989 and married his wife, Cindy, in 1991. Todd and Cindy have three children, Patrick, Kathleen, and Kaysen. Todd began his career with United Telephone after six years. He started his first small business and has been self-employed ever since. Todd has served his community on the Marshall County School Board. And as an alderman in Chapel Hill, he is a member of the Tennessee Farm Bureau, Marshall County Farms Co-op, National Unity Contractors, um, uh, Let's see. Uh, he's an avid outdoorsman, a true conservative. He is a firm believer in Jesus Christ and attends the Riggs Church of Christ. Uh, through his legislative work, Todd was recently ranked among the most conservative members of the Tennessee General Assembly by the American Conservative Union, ACU. Todd received the fifth highest score given to any member of the Tennessee House uh, or Senate for his support of conservative positions during the 2021 legislative session, according to analysis of roll call votes by the ACU. Uh, Todd brings this same love for Tennessee and steadfast dedication to his family, his neighbors, and his friends as our state representative. Todd loves his country, his state, and his community. His word is his bond, and he doesn't make promises he cannot keep. Hello. That's amazing right there. A true conservative, Todd is dedicated to protecting our constitutional rights and is committed to being a vigilant watchdog and defender of our freedoms, no matter what. 
quote, my life has been defined by a commitment to faith, family, and hard work, and I promise to do my part to stand up for our shared conservative values. I absolutely love our community, our state, and our country, and I will never back down in fighting for what is right for the people of Tennessee. Who said that? Why, State Representative Todd Warner did. Uh, is he with us, Steve? Todd, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, yes we sir. just can't see you. Can, can't see me? No. Let me see if I can figure out what's going on here. There will be a little how, icon. How are you today while you're figuring that out? I am great. How are you guys? I'm out on the farm today, and I apologize for the... Uh, here we are. go. Oh, oh. In and out. Well, this is great because this is our first day on live TV, so we have no choice but to talk to you uh, through Uh-oh. whatever means of po- communication are possible. So we love it. Uh, we like you the You might get to pick someone better for your first live show. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. So far, so good. I'm enjoying <laughs> it. I, got, I was able to get right up to where we needed to be. So uh, tell us real quick about District 92. What makes it so special in this great state of ours? Uh, small town Tennessee here. uh uh, let me tell you a little bit how it was, and it, and it just recently changed here when we went through redistricting. Uh, the old 92 was all of Marshall County, uh, west and south Lincoln County, down to Ardmore, the Alabama line, across uh, southern middle Tennessee, and it picked up uh, Franklin counties and Marion counties. When we come to redistricting uh, this last time, I lost those three counties down there, and I picked up uh, Southern Williamson County. I have the uh, Williamson County side of Spring Hill, and uh, I go out through Bethesda, Thompson Station, and uh, back down to 31A and and down to Chapel Hill. Okay, that backs up right to where I'm talking to you from. I'm Williamson County in Franklin, so I totally understand where you're at. That's a good good picture. And tell us about the the demographic of the folks who who makes up the the, the voters of your county that puts you in there uh, for your second term now. Second term was uh, was the conservative voters of uh, Williamson County and Marshall County. Marshall County being my hometown, the district is split about thirty five thousand thirty five thousand, but uh, uh, you know Marshall County uh, votes a few more people than what than what Williamson County does, or That's that part good. of Williamson County anyway. So when they tell us that the uh, the blue wave is coming to Tennessee, maybe they are not paying attention to your neck of the woods, right? I think they're. I think somebody's terribly mistaken. I may be wrong, but uh, the blue the blue wave ain't coming through Southern Middle Tennessee. I can promise you that it might it might hang around up there in Nashville, Davidson County, but it ain't coming here. All right. People love this place down here, and they love the conservative values that Tennessee. This made this a great state. That's right. I'm thrilled to talk to you about it. So you said. Your biggest disappointment with your experience in the Tennessee legislature, the influence of taxpayer-funded lobbyists and the good legislation aimed at limiting their influence that has been killed this session, which would have been last session, you got assigned to the Education Administration Committee, Education Infrastructure Committee. So tell us what it's like to have to deal with lobbyists for education while also trying to rein them in, not a popular guy at the steak and bourbon dinners, I'm guessing. Right. It's uh, it's not just with the education committee. It's with any committee or any department that the state has. Uh, we have what they call liaisons, which is supposed to be uh, a go-between, say, between the Department of Transportation and the legislators. They'll have a couple what they call li- liaisons, which to me are what I call the state-funded lobbyists. They're paid by uh, 
my tax dollars, they're paid by your tax do- uh, dollars. And uh, say if we're running a, a piece of legislation uh, that they don't like, they will lobby other members or anybody on that committee. They try to kill it in committee before it gets to the House floor, but uh, they will lobby just like regular lobbyists to uh, to kill that bill. You know, uh, I'll give you for an, for, uh, an example. I had a, a bill uh, this past session that would allow side-by-sides, four by, uh, uh, side-by-sides, uh, razors, uh, you know what I'm talking about, four-wheel vehicles, sure. kind of look like a dune buggy or whatnot, would allow them on state roads if it's 45 mile an hour or less and a two-lane road. We allow bicycles to ride on these roads. We allow uh, uh, these, uh, what I call these little three-wheel motorcycles, the slingshot things you see on the on the interstate and up and yep. down the road. We allow ATVs, those. sure, yeah. We allow motor, two, two-wheel motorcycles on the road. But we won't allow this uh, this uh, vehicle that uh, has a roll cage, has seat belts, and is a lot safer than the three uh, three vehicles that I mentioned there. But I had that bill to allow them on on state highways, forty five mile an hour or less. And the Department of Transportation, their their liaisons worked against me in, in committee, and, and they've killed it. I've had that bill twice now, and they've killed it both times. Uh, that's know. the kind of stuff I'm. I'm talking about. I ran a civil assets uh, forfeiture, forfeiture bill. Uh, my first session, uh, same thing there. Uh, killed it. They killed it there. So I wanted it, to ask. In I've wanted to ask this before, and, and so if you seem like the the straight shooter to answer this type of question. But you guys that work up there from January to April, you make about thirty grand. You know, to be honest, it's all very public. It's not a big thing. It's obviously not. A lot. You can't really, you know, put a kid through college with that. So you can't be a career politician in Tennessee and expect to, you know, to do much. The lobbyists don't have limitations. It's what's to say that somebody doesn't come around and say, "Hey, I don't want three wheeled vehicles on that road." Here's thirty grand. Uh, you know that you just doubled your salary by saying, "Okay, I'll vote no." Right. I, I've never seen anything like that happen. Not well, since I've been up there. Yeah, well, that's good. Not, okay. Yeah. Never seen nothing. Nobody's ever, ever, never seen that. But now they will work. You know, they'll work extremely hard. Uh, if, if they don't like your, uh, uh, they don't like your bill. Now they're going to work hard against it. And uh, that's where, uh, you know, where I struggle a little bit. Uh, that's been the most disappointing thing for me since I've been down there. Uh, that they, they, you know, that we we allow that to go on. If they want to lobby against bills or lobby for bills, sure, sign up, sign up as a lobbyist. Do the same things that the regular other lobbyists have to do, and uh, inform the taxpayers of, of how much of their money is going against, you know, of working against their ideas. Okay, you're uh, you had a firearms bill that would grant 18 year olds the right to bear arms, along with the importance of the state's educational system to produce uh, literate individuals, if for no other reason than to lower the chances of them turning to crime. Uh, how did that bill work out? Uh, I think it's deferred to the first, uh, maybe the first committee when we go back into session this time. What the, what the bill I think you're talking about, uh, what that bill would do uh, would allow anybody in college uh, that has a enhanced gun carrying permit to to carry on campus. Right now on our college campus, the uh, the administrators and the professors, teachers, or whatnot you want to call them, they can carry uh, on campus right now. But a student uh, cannot. 
that a student that is of 18 years of age uh, cannot carry. And what this bill would have done would allow those uh, those students that have the enhanced gun carry permit that's been through. I think it's I think to get that permit is eight hours of training, maybe more. I'm not really for sure uh, offhand of what that training, uh, you know, what it takes. But it would allow those students to to carry too. Giving the constitutional right to a firearm to the 18-year-old and over, not just because they're on college campus, but because they have the right at 18. That's they have the right. I, yeah. I'm a big Second Amendment guy, and I believe, if, you know, that, you know. Right. If, same, if, thing, if, same thing with Nordstrom. You walk into a Nordstrom's and you're not allowed to carry either. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, Tennessee HB 1357 was another one of your bills, an act to amend Tennessee code annotated title 49 chapter five, part seven, relative to personal injury sustained by teachers. This is fascinating to me as enacted requires an LEA to pay a teacher their full salary. In addition to their full benefits, if the teacher is absent from assigned duty as the result of a personal injury caused by a physical assault or other violent crime acts committed. Uh, you got that signed in May, congratulations. How violent was it in schools to need that? Uh, we had CJ Bowman on here. Uh, did, did you work with him on that? He, he was telling us it was pretty bad. Yeah, it, it was. He had give me a give me a couple of cases where, you know, where it happened, happened uh, where some teachers had been hurt, uh, one and I think come down and testified and was scared to show, scared to show her face. Maybe even took her rings off because they wouldn't recognize. You know she was afraid that you know of, of repercussions from from being down there. But it has happened in in uh, several several cases where teachers get threatened. They've been bullied around a little bit and maybe even some physical contact. And uh, you know I'm just one to believe that. Uh, you know we struggle here in Tennessee with our with our teachers having enough teachers having enough good teachers and uh, we need to do everything that we can to protect them. He was telling us that they they would get into an altercation and then they would have to come back the very next day and sit and right in front of that kid that they refused to expel and have to you know basically confront their their attacker, which is crazy. And then from that bill, does that mean that they also would send them home if they were injured and not well, pay them? What uh, I think I misunderstood you. The the the, the bill is it, as my as my my thinking. The bill's intent was to make sure that the teacher was taken care of. That full, was full salary paid, right? Full so salary. Was if it necessary was, to pass that bill because they weren't paying them, and therefore now you're saying you must pay them? I think it was. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what they were doing, but it was. It was some. It was a measure that we tried to put in place to let the teachers know that they were going to be protected here in Tennessee. You okay. know, because uh, a lot of these places, I think, uh, you know, the way things are this day and time. Uh, uh, that that some of our teachers are really you know they really fear fear some of the students in, in certain cases. Wow, and I'm sure there's certain parts of the state it's, that are a little different than others where that would be more. I of... think you're exactly right there, and just to hear some of the teachers, some of the threats that's made to them, you know, and, and the way the kids and uh, the, the young folks uh, do this day and time. I don't know. Uh, we didn't act like that when I was in school. I mean. No. No, and it wasn't the teachers no were bigger mom. than us. Yeah, now they're it bigger than. It wasn't no calling mom or dad uh, <laughs> and telling them that I'm gonna punish you. You just got, you know, you got took to the principal's, principal's office, and uh, you know he took care of it. 
yeah, my day, and it wasn't that long ago, 70s, 80s, uh, the principal was the least of my concerns. Getting home and having to admit what I did, exactly. that was the that was the real fear. Yeah. I guess they don't have that either. But certainly yeah. a legislation like HB 1357 was not something needed in Napa, California. You know, and, and we have legislation in place. If these schools will do it, and, and this was uh, – I was at a town hall the other night, and this was brought up about, you know – you know, why ain't these schools, why ain't these districts sending these kids home? I mean, we have legislation in place where they can expel that student for the year. And uh, I think that's what they should be doing. Uh, sure, they might have to they might have to, to teach that kid virtual or whatnot, but if he poses a threat uh, this day and time, it's time for him to leave uh, public schools. I agree, yeah. It's for the other kids' sake, more so than the teacher or that student themselves. You also yeah. filed yes, exactly. House Bill 1714, the Verify Our Tennessee Elections Vote Act, that's good, it would have required Tennessee County election commissions to conduct a thorough investigation and review of ballots and equipment from the 2020 general election. The purpose of the bill is to determine the accuracy of election results for the United States presidential and congressional elections in Tennessee. A forensic audit of each ballot available for review from the 2020 general election and part two, a complete canvassing of each ballot for purposes of confirming the vote tallies for each race. And part three, a thorough review of the chain of custody for ballots, ballot boxes, and voting machines and equipment. The bill will require the cooperation of all election officials with their respective county election commissions in order to meet established deadlines. Makes sense to me. What happened to that? I, you know, I think... Uh, there may have been another bill like it or something similar, but I don't think that bill ever made it to the to the House floor. What are you showing on the actions on that bill? Uh, uh, well, I'd have to jump over there, but they, uh, uh, look, I, I know it didn't pass because they're not doing it. Um, House Bill 1714. Um, I, do... I might end up withdrawing that one. Sometimes uh, we as representatives will have duplicate bills or, or something similar. And uh, whichever one uh, maybe has the uh, that that's maybe on that committee committee that that bill is going through. Sometimes when we have du duplicate bills. Uh, you know, uh, the one that has the best chance will, will pull their bill, and that could have been one that I that I that I took off notice. But that was yeah, uh, I just I just clicked session. on it. I just clicked on it, and it says bill not found. So maybe that was done. But obviously, the spirit of it was to try to clean up election integrity that may have yes, been questionable voter, from 2020. Inte voter integrity and yeah. and uh yeah just to, to put more checks and balances in place and so since it wasn't moved forward and wasn't done does that mean that coming up on 2024 which is in two months nothing much is going to change it can be brought back up it can okay it, it can yes sir it can be brought back okay up. So uh, moving on, Nashville Councilwoman Courtney Johnston uh, withheld the manifesto of Covenant school shooter Audrey Hale, uh, um, which you said were both outrageous and alarming. This is my official call to demand immediate action from the FBI, TBI, which is the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, and the Metro Nashville Police Department to release the full uncensored version of Audrey Hale's manifesto which undeniably contributed to the death of six innocent Tennessee lives, Todd Warner. That was seven months ago and a special emergency session ago that almost took gun rights away from law-abiding innocent citizens for no reason we have been allowed to understand. Will we ever see it? Why can't Tennessee legislature demand the TBI release what they know? Are they more powerful than lawmakers? 
And gun laws, um, uh, will they be up for grabs again come next session in January? Uh, I struggled with, uh, with the manifesto. I don't understand why. Sure, if you if 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 Davidson County or Metro needs to redact some some of the stuff that they're worried about on the copycat side of it, if they're worried about that, sure, redact it. But the public deserves to know what happened. The public deserves to know whether this was a hate crime. The public knows uh, deserves to know whether what this person, what kind of drugs they were on, and uh, what not was going on. Uh, what just happened this last week up in uh, Maine? Terrible, terrible, terrible situation. But what did the law enforcement do up there right away? They released a suicide note. Within they told minutes. us what that per- person was thinking, what was going on. They've been a whole lot more transparent up there than what what uh, what we have here in Tennessee. Now, I did talk to T- the TBI about it after I put that letter out. The TBI did reach out to me and... Uh, they were kind of leaving it up to uh, to Metro, and uh, you know that's that's where we're at. We went in. I, I'd say spent probably a million dollars of Tennessee taxpayers' uh, money for the special session, and uh, you know there's nothing that we passed there that that I don't think that that could have you know it, it could have waited to January. And uh, but yet we went in. Uh, I did, you know I I just I struggled with that. I just thought that they ought to release it. The public deserves the right to know what happened there. Yeah, uh, yeah at far, least to know at least to know what far, drugs and who was prescribing them and what whose care she was under and maybe who trained her. Because if you've seen the videos of the assault on the day of, that looked pretty trained for a young gal who you know you wouldn't think would know how to operate such heavy uh, weaponry. But we get to know nothing, and then it creates this big vacuum. Exactly- yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And and, and Steve, I it just you know I just can't understand why why you wouldn't want the public to know what that person was thinking, what that person had been through, just so we it would it, it may help somebody recognize something down the road. It may stop one of these things. When the uh, when the know, TBI I, said that it was going to be Metro's issue, and Metro said it would be the legislature's issue, and they pointed to the circular fate. Did anybody give you a excuse that made sense that made you say, well, okay, maybe that's true? I mean. Like you said, redact the important things, protect the innocent names, but at least let us know maybe motive so that we can be on the lookout for the next one. Uh, no, nobody gave me any any reason why that uh, they wouldn't release it, you know. And doesn't the legislature have some sort of authority over the TBI to say, you kind of work for us, we need to... Yeah, we know. should have oversight over the TBI, but again, I think, I don't, I'm not sure if TBI, you know, I think Metro was maybe the lead on it. And TBI was leaving it up to them. Uh, I don't know. That's something I'm going to follow back up with and and see. Uh, I don't know though. Did something was there? Did the judge hear it again here? Maybe a week or two ago. I thought I read a little bit of something. Well, it, it moved to the families, and they said they were going to let them decide. It got. It, it's obviously been a very strange thing for seven months. But let me ask you this question then. So after the incident, and after you had asked with that statement and after the tbi said it's on metro metro didn't respond positively to governor lee or the legislature when they passed 250 million dollars to put sros in every single school now i can see where that could be a problem in some of that the rural areas where maybe they can't find them but metro's not a problem because they could have they have plenty of police officers right there that could have done that duty why do you think he didn't want to 
use the one and only solution to reducing crime and violence and death on schools that the legislature and Lee came up with in the regular session and still not allow the manifesto? What's going on with the chief of police of Metro? I don't know. I don't, I don't, Steve, I don't get that one. Uh, you know, their excuse or, or, you know, some of the reason that I've heard down there is they can't find it. You know, they're struggling finding officers now, but to me, you know, <laughs> and I want to be careful here. I don't want this to come across wrong, but to me, you know, you know, I would think that we would want a police officer in every school, you know, I think or two in, in some of the biggest, <laughs> some of those schools are down there, maybe three, I, you know, I don't know, but, Two hundred and fifty million dollars is a lot. Yeah, it. Uh Uh oh. All right. Well, he's going to have to come back, and hopefully, we'll get a good answer to that question. What do you think so far, Steve? Well, he's a very straight shooter. I like this guy. I I want to get him back on. He's (laughs) he's 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 sitting in his truck, probably out on his farm, and he's taking a break, and that's very appreciative of him. It just shows, folks, when you see a representative actually in a truck out on its farm, you know that that's his normal bread and butter job. Yeah, and, and not uh, a lot of 5G towers out there. Yeah. No, there's not. And uh, that's kind of a benefit for him. He doesn't get all the uh, microwave crap that you and I get. But <laughs> um, I like the fact that he, he wants it, and I'm going to bring him back in. We'll see if we can't get him back in. Here we go. Okay, um, appreciate that. But uh, no, this is the kind of individual I enjoy having on the show. You've had several... Uh, politicians who've been pretty good straight shooters, and uh, I like that. There, there are more per capita in Tennessee than where you're calling me from, but uh, or tuning in from. All right, we are back. All right, next question. You ready? All right, we understand that you, you got the uh, you're out there in in working land and don't have five G towers, so we'll do our best. But uh, you officially called for the resignation of Lieutenant Governor Randy McNally following McNally's embarrassing exploits on social media. Uh, in a statement, you called his foibles the actions of a 80-year-old man, a certain kind of very man, looking to fulfill his sexual desires. He's still there. Is it going to be hard to work with him on important stuff if he's mad at you? I'm not sure if he can hear us. Can you hear us, Mr. Todd? He's working on it. I can tell. Maybe he doesn't it. want that kind of question. That's not a nice no, no, question. No, no, he's he's... he's uh... He's having problems with the uh, reception out there. I get it. I get it. Oh, so I didn't realize that, Steve. I think you brought it up several uh, months ago, but you have a 80-year-old guy that's still working his way around. 80-year-old guy is the lieutenant governor um, of the state, so powerful position, and he um, had some interesting things to say on social media using his account, um, Representative Warner called him out on it, said he should resign, and I'm curious if we can get him back. If how how is he going to work with them if he's if he's mad at you, or is that all <laughs> water under the bridge? Something that uh, we can go from there. Oh. Can you hear us, sir? Ah, the joys of live TV. Our first experience with live TV. Can you hear us now? I see you moving over there. We got video. Well, folks, for those on our podcast, uh, our representative is in his truck and he's got visuals, but it's kind of freezing up. And I think it's just, it's his end. We're doing fine on our end. And uh, that happens. Um, I've we've This is not the first time we've had this problem, Steve. Um, yeah. But it's the first time we've had it go on a live show, which is our first day of doing live. And um, 
and I don't even know if we're live. So, you know. Can you call him? Can you call him on the phone? No, he's not going to answer. I actually found what it said to do, and I can't do it because we're in the midst of our show. So I'd have to shut down my – I have to go back into the back end of Zoom because I figured out there's some error codes that came up. And um, so – but I did text him. I texted uh, uh, the station owner and said, hey, we're trying – yeah, I can hear you um, on my cell phone. Maybe we should just try it this way. What do you think? Okay, I apologize. <laughs> no, you know, we, 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 uh... no, it's a, yeah, that's okay. We're getting some great stuff here. So let's, let's move on because we're going to run out of time. But um, I just want to know if, if you and Randy McNally are going to be able to patch things up and, uh, um, you know, work together next session since he publicly called him out for his strange uh, social media posts. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, can, I, can, I can work with anybody down there. Uh, uh, long as we, you know, long as it's a conservative, you know, issue that uh, it makes good sense for the taxpayers of Tennessee. But I still kind of struggle with uh, with uh, the situation that he put himself in there and uh, didn't. Uh, yeah, I, I just uh, I, I struggled with that very bad. Okay, well, uh, let's move on from that. That's we don't really like subjects like that, even though we have to live with it in about two months. But legislation to expand Tennessee's ESA program to Hamilton and Knox counties cleared its final committee hurdle before heading to the House floor for a vote. Republican legislator Ron Gant and you, Todd Warner, asked to be recorded as voting against the bill. Sexton says. He wants to give back $2 billion to D.C. and kick them out of the Tennessee Department of Education. Seems like a noble thing. The Tennessee Department of Education hasn't done such a great job under former Commissioner Penny Schwinn. Can we expand charters without public funds? And why are you against this particular program with Ron Gant? Uh, I'm not against the charter schools. I was against the, uh, I guess, the ESGs, the uh, the. Uh, education savings savings count deal uh when i first ran uh i feel like i had a bunch of teachers uh that supported me uh the former state rep that re- represented this area promised the uh, local school boards that he would not support the school voucher program uh then he went to Nashville and, and he did uh my first term the old 92nd district I can say I represented pretty much rural, rural Tennessee, small town Tennessee. And those districts need every single dollar that they can get in their school system. Uh, they struggle at times with having enough money. Uh, and it's a promise that, that, that I made to uh, to teachers and uh, educators that, that, you know, that I wouldn't take money away from the public school system. Uh, you know, as far as the, uh, the money coming from Washington, if uh, if we can find out a way to do away with that money, because uh, you know that money when it comes from Washington, it comes with strings attached, and uh, I would definitely support support, and I would want to see the studies. But if the state could afford to do it, I definitely would support the bill to do away with the uh, the money coming from Washington. Great, you sound just like me. I love you. Um, so last year, despite the support of many Tennesseans, a patients' rights bill introduced by you died in committee. However, yeah. the, however, the residents of Tennessee may actually get the opportunity to share their testimony this year, which was last year, as Warner has now introduced this legislation again as HB 0377 
I don't think that passed either. So will you bring it up again next year for a third time? And why do we need a patient's bill of rights? Well, what this, what this bill was, was to do, uh, what this bill was going to do, if it was going to help those families, as, as you can think back and remember back during COVID, uh, when there were so many, you heard so many stories, and, and, and I've seen it in my community, in my church, uh, where people would drop loved ones off uh, during COVID at the emergency room or at the hospital, and they never got to go back and, and see them. They never got to allow to come. They weren't allowed to come visit uh, these people that were that were that were that had COVID in the hospitals. They did not have an advocate. Uh, lots of them were forced on uh, on ventilators, and, and and no one there to help them. No one there to advocate for them. And what this bill would have would have done is would have allowed an advocate in the room. Uh, if somebody was incapacitated or whatnot, and uh, to, to speak for that person. And, man, you would not believe the pushback I got from the lobbyists, the state lobbyists, uh, the uh, uh, see, uh, health care lobby. Oh, this oh, is really man. good. This is, this is, this is my hot button, Steve. Well, I still connected on the cell phone, so hopefully it comes back here any second. Can you still hear us, sir? Well, I, I just want to say the pushback he's getting from the lobbyist, the healthcare industry, oh, yes, they think they're gods, and they do not want anybody to come into their unholy sanctuary and uh, mess it up with uh, such a thing as advocating for a patient. How right. dare you? Well, since we only have a few minutes left, I'd just throw out there until he gets back on here. And if he can't, we'll move on. But um, he has been rated taxpayer heroes. He got a 96, a form uh, A, sorry, from Americans for Prosperity. We've had them on here. A 92 from National Federation of Independent Business. 100% Tennessee right to life. So I like him for that. Uh, we are lucky to have him until November 2024. When he runs again, are we, are you back? All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to let him go. Oh, there, I, I, oh I, wait, just in time. Are you there? Yep. There yeah, he is. I'm here. I, okay, I'm good. That's okay. I was just singing your praises. We only got a few minutes left, so I'll try to jam these real quick. Um, do you care to wade in on what the deal is with the airport and the legislature? I'm so confused by it all besides control of money, of course, but maybe there's all this maybe that's all there is to know it's just about the money but do you have any clarity I, on that? i don't i don't know a whole lot about it i know that you say you know uh i know that they get some some taxpayers money that, that comes from, from all from taxpayers all across the state and uh i know leadership uh wanted uh you know wanted that board to be uh you know people from not just metro davidson county but people from all across the state and i think that was the intent of the bill was just to to allow some more people from different areas on that on that uh, board. Okay, uh, Lee ha only had three emergency sessions in his two terms. Maybe he'll have another one next year. Who knows? But so far, three. One for Ford to get a lot of corporate welfare. They lost a bunch on EV. They said in their earnings uh, release, um, and for guns, we don't have a true constitutional carry here. We call it that, but like toll lanes called choice lanes, it's not exactly free to carry a gun around. People have to, people have been arrested for it actually, and Nordstrom's won't let you bring it in, leading to car break-ins and stolen guns on the streets. 
Um, we've had John Harris from TFA on. Do, do you think Lee's last session in the, in, the, in the next few months will go for guns again? Jack Johnson, the majority leader of the Senate, said he won't do anything to infringe on 2A, and he kept his word during the special session by all appearances. So do you think the Senate will hold, and do you think Justin Jones and Justin Pearson from Memphis, where the gun violence issue is actually the worst in the state uh, and country, actually, will, will cause trouble for you all again? I don't uh, I don't know. I think there is a maybe that someone had a bill to to, to uh, you know maybe amend that bill, the original bill that that we passed on on the constitutional carry uh, to make it more of a true true uh, Second Amendment or or true you know constitutional carry. I definitely would support that. Uh, you know, I'm one that believes if you're 18 years old and you can uh, be drafted and go to the military and fight for this country, you should be able to protect yourself at home. You know. Uh, I'm going to always support the second amendment as far as Justin Jones and Pearson, uh, uh, the, what they call them, the Tennessee three, I to call them the Tennessee clown show, but, uh, you know, they're going to bring some legislation, but I, I doubt any of it ever gets out of committee. I hate that Tennessee three because the real Tennessee three backed up Johnny cash and it will always be the Tennessee three that backed up. Johnny I, cash. I agree with you. I agree you, with you. You did something uh, not easy to do, sir. Uh, your first time out, you defeated an incumbent named Thomas Tillis in 2020. Uh, most incumbents win. I wasn't here yet to watch. I want to know how you did it. Was D92 particularly mad at him in 2020? And the press on the left nationally and, of course, locally calls Tennessee MAGA extreme Republicans, supermajority, a lot of names as to be expected. They're using us. Um, as their 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 foils for what they want to do on the left, the progressive left. Do you think they have a point that the supermajority is out of touch with the voters in Tennessee, where 60-40 for Trump, and I think they will again, and hopefully same for Marsha Blackburn over uh, Gloria Johnson. If she stays in the race, she's losing the money in early polling. I mean, shoot, you, you whooped the Dem last time, 74-26 points. Good job for you. Uh, do you think Tennessee voters' demographics have changed, even considering the 100,000 new people that left California and New York for here? Absolutely not. I don't think it's changed. I am a diehard Trump supporter, MAGA, MAGA supporter. Uh, I'm going to vote for him again. Matter of fact, we put on a little rally down here for him uh, back, back here about a month ago. We had a good crowd turned out. Uh, as far as Tillis, uh, Tillis, I mean, I'm just going to call him out. He's a rhino. Uh he, uh, you know, he made a lot of promises. Two, he made two promises that he made uh, to to the voters of the 92nd district that he didn't keep. One was the school vouchers. The other was the gas tax. I think they called it the Improve Act back then that they passed. I think it was 2017 or 18. They passed the gas tax. Uh, uh, you know, he 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 promised he promised the local GOP that he would not support those bills, and he and he went to Nashville. Uh, and he did. And he, he just wasn't a true conservative. I mean, he was, uh, you know, if you look at his brother, too, uh, you know, his brother's not a true conservative. Uh, you know, his brother would not support Donald Trump the first two years when Trump was in office. You know, when Trump really wanted to build the wall and get it going, you had people like John McCain. You had people like Tom Tillis. You had people like Jeff Snowflake in Arizona. that They wouldn't get behind Trump when we had the majority in the House and the Senate uh, and had a Republican president. And, and, and stuff like that, uh, you know, it's just... Uh, now you look back now, and uh, maybe we could have got done, more done on that wall than was done, and uh, we have a total mess down there right now. Well, sir, I want to thank you very much for 
piping in here and coming back a few times with technology. Uh, uh, tell everyone real quick where they can go to follow you, and then we got to jump to our next segment. They can go to follow me at Todd at uh, TN uh, dot com, and they can find me on uh, Facebook. I think it's Rep Rep Warner uh, on Facebook. Rep Todd Warner on Facebook. It's been All an right. honor to be on here with you, Steve. I apologize for the inconvenience and the mix up. Uh, kind of. No. I want to have you on again sometime soon. Out here with very single. I want to have you on again right, soon, so thank you. Right, no worries. Care. Don't say sorry. Have a I great week. I love to, Steve. Bye. Bye. With Columbia, Tennessee-based EnergizeHealth.com, you lose fat fast, simply and naturally, without restrictive exercise or cardboard, dry, tasteless food. Revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88-day science from John and Chelsea Jubilee. People report getting off medications and reversing ailments. Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof. Look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know. I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com. Hello, I'm Alveda King, and you're listening to Mill Creek View Podcast. All right. Welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show, where we cover what we just heard. Producer Steve, what do you think of our guest, Rep Todd Warner from Oh, I, I love it. He, again, I just want to reemphasize what a straight shooter what a man who doesn't mince words and is doing the work that that you he's been hired for, which is a Republican doing what Republicans are supposed to and not rhinos. Rhino is a Republican in name only, and uh, he calls it out. Um, boy, I yeah. we've got a few guys. You, you'd, you'd have to you'd have to throw a pretty pretty wide net to find someone like that in Washington State, um, as you can imagine. But here. Uh, they are more than a dime a dozen. They're probably at least uh, 50 cents a dozen. So we're doing pretty good. Um, so back to my story earlier about the debates uh, and the National Debate Association. Why do I care, right? What can happen when today's debate team members have to basically take a dive on truth just to participate in the most prestigious national high school tournament and hope to win a debate presenting a side they don't believe or are downright lies? Uh, to go on to law school and get a law degree from a good school. They become future lawyers like this one, of course. Georgia DA offers nothing burger plea deals to build parade of witnesses for later show trials by Leslie McAdoo Gordon, the Federalist. Be nice to show you that right here, but I can't. You can go to the Federalist and check it out. Leslie McAdoo Gordon. There is no legitimate prosecutorial reason for Fannie Willis, I'll just add Howard University and from Emory University School of Law, to have struck these particular plea deals. They're a means to an end. In the past week, the Office of Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis finalized plea agreements with three significant members of the group of 18 co-defendants indicted in Willis's rambling racketeering influence and corruption organization, you may know that as RICO case, filed this past August against former President Donald Trump and others. One of those others is Rudy Giuliani, 
who basically invented the RICO case against the mob, not a former president. Okay, back to the article. The pleas were with three prominent lawyers in the post-2020 election challenges. Sidney Powell, lawyer, Kenneth Chesbrough, lawyer, and Jenna Ellis, lawyer. Each was charged with multiple felonies, including the lead RICO count, carrying potentially maximum penalties of many years of incarceration. The indictment purports to allege serious felonies based on serious wrongdoing that supposedly threatened the very fabric of our democracy, but you wouldn't think so from the actual deals Willis struck. Huh. Overcharge? Plea down. There is no legitimate... I, I inserted that. There is no <laughs> legitimate prosecutorial reason for Willis's to have struck these particular deals. Rather, these deals are designed to bolster the perceived, but not the real, strength of her case against the key defendants, both now via the media and later by parading a string of guilty co-defendants as witnesses before the jury. This is starting to sound like a kangaroo court. The prosecutors won't argue to the jury that Trump, Giuliani, or Eastman are guilty because Powell, Chespero, and Ellis, and potentially others by then, pled guilty. They won't have to argue that. They will simply parade a line of witnesses who have all pleaded guilty to something in this case before the jury. The jury will get the message. And thus, the true purpose of these nothing burger pleas is revealed. Not to acquire evidence to present, but to create a guilty parade now and in the show trial to come. Leslie McAdoo Gordon is the principal of McAdoo Gordon and Associates PC, founded in 2003. She provides criminal defense for individuals facing misdemeanor and or felony charges, as well as white-collar criminal offenses in state and federal courts. So clearly biased. Sarcasm. <laughs> the good news now, billionaire Leon Cooperman, who wears his Polish Jewish heritage as a badge of pride and has made giving away his billions to make the world a better place a major part of his life is angry. The 80-year-old estimates that he has given $50 million over the years to New York City's Columbia University, where he earned a master's degree in business administration in 1967, but he will give no more to the school due to the way some students and faculty celebrated the slaughter of Israeli civilians in the massacre of October 7th that claim more than 1,400 lives. These kids are the Call these kids at the colleges have shit for brains, Cooperman <laughs> told Fox Business host Clayman last week. Hopefully, TECNTV.TV allows that. Too late. We have our reliable ally in the Middle East. That's Israel, Cooperman said. We only have one democracy in the Middle East. That's Israel. And we have one economy tolerant of different people, gays, lesbians, etc. That's Israel. So they have no idea what these young kids are doing. Now the real shame is I've given to Columbia probably $50 million over the years, and I'm not going to suspend my giving. I'll give my giving to another organization, he said. What took so long? Hopefully not the hey, National how League. about to us? How about to Mill Creek View? Yeah, I don't want it. The biography... Uh, no, I don't By want the way, <laughs> um, let's see. Columbia is the oldest college in America, by the way. Students coming from families with annual incomes less than 150000 are able to attend Columbia tuition-free. Columbia awards more than $215 million annually in the scholarships and grants from all sources. Incoming first-year students from low-income families receive a startup grant of $2,000 to ease their transition to colleges. So if you can't borrow, poor folks get in for free. Half receive grants the future of America has a problemo that looks a lot like BLM, street marchers, Antifa, pro-Palestinian ralliers, NEA members, AFT members who be on, become teachers and tell kids what they should not know at certain ages. Don't you think?
So welcome to my quotes for the week. America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. Abraham Lincoln. A government big enough to give you everything you want is government big enough to take from you everything you have. Gerald Ford. In the beginning of a change, the patriot is a scarce man and brave and hated and scorned. When his cause succeeds, the timid join him, for then it costs nothing to be a patriot. Mark Twain. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Ronald Reagan, the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God, John F. Kennedy. That's it for this episode. Thank you, Rep. Todd Warner, for reminding us that it's cool to be conservative again. Keep watering that tree of liberty, brother. Until next time, this is your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of mcview.us. Peace in our time and glory to God. Thank you, Steve. Any views or opinions represented on the podcast are personal and belong solely to the creator and do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the creator may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated.